listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, the future always has a way of arriving ahead of schedule. And starting tomorrow and for the next 21 Sundays, we'll have the National Football League for your viewing pleasure. Well, at least that's the plan. And we already have one game in the books. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So go to geico.com for a free rate quote. Now, tonight, we've got people listening all around the world. My buddy, Joe Gibbs, just texted me from Sydney, Australia. He lives in Vegas, too. He'll be back in October. Good friend of mine. And, you know, we got our buddy Chewy in Houston, and you, too. You're all out there, too. We really appreciate you taking time to listen tonight. Tonight, we do football, football, and more football. And I'm going to weigh in on my worldview on some select teams and tell you why I either like them or don't like them in 2020 and which ones will feature season-long storylines. In about 15 minutes, Steve Fezzik will join us via phone, and he'll dazzle us with his prescient prognostications on some key games tomorrow. How's that for some peppy alliteration? And after Brian Finley's epic update, we'll continue with a quick vignette on mistakes to avoid as you bet the NFL this year. We want you to make money and have fun. And Sleepy's back. He's got an NFL best bet very well researched. And, of course, we wrap things up with Mackinac Sports. At the end of the show, that's what we call the thinking man segment of the program. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience as such. People want to talk about them, so hey, you've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted, and as they say in Fran Tarkenton, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, for many folks, life begins tomorrow again. In about 11 hours, the NFL kicks off the first full Sunday of 2020, and well, you know, with no Doc Hodges, I just don't know if it'll be the same, but I digress. At last count, about 33 million Americans will have some form of a wager on week one action. Some will bet just for fun, some because it enhances the viewing participation of the game while feeding their competitive spirit, and all will hope to make money, and some will. And I guess you could say I fall into part of each of those categories, but there's also a fourth category for me. And the reason I'm so addicted to sports are for Two reasons that I learned from my mentor, Dick Schaap. I once asked Dick what his favorite sport was and who he rooted for. His answer was short and sweet. He said, Bernie, my favorite sport is people, and I always root for the story. That's it. So as we embark on the new season, there are three teams that keep popping up in conversation. And these three teams will, in my opinion, offer a ripe tapestry to serve a storyline all season long. And as Yogi Berra would say, they all have different similarities. Why? Because the focal point of each of these teams' fortunes will live and die on the shoulders of their quarterbacks, each of whom weren't even under center for their respective teams in 2019. All right, so let's dive in. I want to start with a team I covered for 10 years. And yes, make no mistake, I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. Now, this, this is going to be a referendum year for their team president, Bob Quinn, and their head coach, Matt Patricia, both who came from New England. Now, see, all of a sudden, the Lions have become these public darlings. And with the return of Matt Stafford and, you know, many sharp people I respect, they've even got the Lions going over their season win total of six and a half, which is now bumped to seven. So here's why. First of all, 
With Stafford last year, the Lions were 3-4-1. Without him, they were 0-8. With Stafford, they scored 25 points a game. Without him, they scored 17. Stafford was having a good year. He was averaging 312 yards passing per game through the year, 19 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. His replacements in the remainder of the year threw a cumulative total of 9 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Their passing offense wasn't bad. It ranked 10th. It was above average. And when you look at that combo of Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, they were actually the number one wide receiver duo last year in terms of touchdowns scored. So all they need is a running game, right? Well, they might have one. They added DeAndre Swift. He's very explosive. Effect, he was very effective out of the shotgun in Georgia, and that's exactly how they're going to use him. They'll pair him up with Kerryon Johnson. And with Stafford back, the team morale is boosted. They're more confident. They've got some weapons. If they can establish their running game, well, we'll see. Now, here comes the big butt. So, you know, look, I, as I said, they become public darlings. And it makes sense on the surface because in his first season with offensive coordinator Darrell Bevel, Staff, Stafford did pass for almost 2,500 yards. And he had a 106 passer rating in the eight games he played. But I'm not backing the Lions week one. Because And I'll tell you why. Like most seasons, passing isn't the problem for Detroit. It's everything else. The Lions did very little to improve a passing defense that ranked 29th in Football Outsiders DVOA, and it had a terrible pass rush last year. And in a year where continuity is certainly going to be a key, the Lions are going to start with six new defensive starters tomorrow in Week 1. Their standout corner, Darius Slay, he's gone. He's been replaced by Desmond Trufant, and they do have rookie Jeff Okuda out of Ohio State was their number one draft pick. Now, interestingly enough, Detroit's defense has been the magic elixir for all of Mitch Trubisky's struggles. He'll be the starting quarterback for the Bears tomorrow. The Lions are laying two and a half or three, depending on where you got the game in the last couple of days. Trubisky, believe it or not, is 3-0 lifetime against the Lions with nine touchdowns and a 74% completion rate. A 132 passer rating and nine and a half yards per attempt with just one interception. We're talking Mitch Trubisky here, not Johnny Unitas. These are among the best marks against any team. Will his dominance continue against Detroit tomorrow? I don't know. Now, on the other side of the ball, the Bears have a damn good defense. Although their turnover differential regressed in 2019, Aside from that perception, they were still 10th in defensive DVOA and 4th in points allowed. Now they add uh, outside linebacker Robert Quinn, who should be an upgrade over Leonard Floyd, and they'll pair him with Khalil Mack to pressure the quarterback. The Bears had a good pass rush. Now it's improved, and they face a Lions offensive line that gave up 43 sacks last year. So between the market's perception of Trubisky starting tomorrow, and the Lions' defense being a huge cause for concern, and the Bears' defense giving them an opportunity to win the game, almost any game, the value is probably in Chicago with Chicago in this spot. But I am not going to be involved. It's a pass for me. We'll talk about it with Fezzik when he joins us in, in a few minutes here. But as far as the Lions the rest of the year, there is one thing I do want you to know about. And that is, there is a pretty significant trend having to do with their season win total, which I said was six and a half, and now it's seven. Some sharp people, I believe, that I, well, people that I know, like them to go over that total because over the last 19 years, eight NFL teams have seen their win total decrease by three or more games in back-to-back -back seasons. The Lions fall into that category. The following year, 
seven of those eight teams increased their win total by at least four games. So let's unpack this. Detroit went from nine wins in 2017 to six wins in 2018 to three wins in 2019. So they fall into that category. If they can increase just four games, that would mean seven wins in 2020, and that would put them over their season win total of six and a half games, assuming you got them at six and a half. Stay tuned. Should be fun to watch. The second team, make no mistake about it, these guys are going to be a storyline, and I'm talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I happen to be very high on, period. I've given lots of reasons in the last few shows as to what I think they can do now that they'll have a quarterback that's not going to, you know, produce enough turnovers to start a bakery. Boy, is that a terrible joke. Did I just say that? Who writes this stuff? All right. 41 turnovers in 2019. Can you believe? I mean, think about that number. They were still 7-9. and nine. The last team with 41 turnovers in a season were the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Even with turnover machine Jameis Winston, they were still 7-7 seven and seven heading into the final two weeks of the season. That's the Tampa Bay Bucs I'm talking about. They lost to Atlanta, and they lost to Houston. They easily could have won both games except Jameis threw six interceptions in those two games. By the way, heading into those two games, they had a four-game winning streak. And they were really improving, and their defense was better than you think. Now you bring in Tom Brady with an established base of talent, and I think things change. Look, last year, Jameis threw 16 interceptions in 30 games. Brady threw eight interceptions last year against 24 touchdowns with the lowest-ranked wide receiver crew, according to Pro Football Focus. Brady has thrown 16 interceptions in his last 64 games. Couple that with a top-12 defense, I think Tampa wins 10 games. Now let's talk about tomorrow. Bruce Arians always has his teams prepared. 7-2 and two against the number in September as a dog. They're prepared early. The Saints, notoriously slow starters. Last six season openers, 1-5 and five straight up, 0-6 against the spread. Everybody talks about Brady being 43. Well, hell, Breeze is 41. Oh, by the way, Brady in season openers, 14-3 and three straight up. He averages 277 passing yards a game, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And did I mention they've added Leonard Fournette, too? 1,000 yards on the ground last year, 500 receiving. I really like Tampa Bay tomorrow. You've got that rare spot where Brady is actually an underdog in week one. We'll see what happens, but I not only like Tampa Bay tomorrow, I like them the rest of the year. The third team, and we'll talk about this week after week. I'm not going anywhere. So those of you scoffed at my predictions back in 2018, we're just having our two-year anniversary of the show on Saturday night. You scoffed at me, not many, but some, when I said that New England would uh, – Go on and do well in 2018 and get to the Super Bowl. They ended up winning it. I said rumors of their demise were you know, heavily exaggerated. Well, you watch. Watch Tampa Bay. The third team, and I'm talking about storylines now, are going to be the Indianapolis Colts and Phillip Rivers. they got a fine club. They're also going to win 10 games this year. They've got eight games at home inside a dome. That doesn't hurt especially for those who believe that Rivers has a depleted arm and depleted arm strength. They've also got a very favorable road weather schedule. they got the best offensive line in football, and for my money, one of the top three coaches in Frank Reich. He's, he reminds me of a pass-first point guard that always makes the right decisions. I really like... 
the weapons that uh, they have as well, including Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton. They've got a young roster. They've got an improving defense that's trending upward. They add DeForest Buckner. You remember what a game wrecker he was in San Francisco? Well, they've got him now. By the way, there's no reason to believe that Indy shouldn't get off to a fast start in their first eight games. They've only play, they're only playing one team that had a winning record last year. So I like the Colts, and we'll talk about them more. And by the way, they visit Jacksonville, and it's a runaway line. And look, I'm not looking to wake up in the morning and, and lay eight and a half points on the road. But at Jacksonville tomorrow, first of all, you're talking about an organization over the last several years. They notoriously start slow, and then they fade. Work with me. They're going to stink again. They're also 1-7. and seven. I'm talking about Jacksonville. 1-7 and seven straight up against the spread in home openers the past eight seasons. And then, believe it or not, this is actually a bit of a revenge game for the Colts because they lost 38-20 to 20 in a season-ending loss last year. That cost them a chance for being 500 on the year. It's the only stadium tomorrow that will have fans in the stands. That's Jacksonville. I think Indy in a rout. I wouldn't be afraid to lay in the half lay the eight and a half points on the road, and believe me, I don't say that very often. All right, coming up, let's talk about the man who is a fixture here at Straight Out of Vegas during the week, and he always brings the information. It's Steve Fezzik, and we're going to have some fun talking about tomorrow's games. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Let's waste no time. Let's welcome in a gentleman. You hear him weekdays here on Straight Out of Vegas, the only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton, now Westgate, Super Contest. That would be one Mr. Steve Fezzik. Fez, how are you tonight, buddy? Bernie, so good to talk to you. It's Saturday night. I see the lights from the perimeter of the city. NFL tomorrow. Can't wait. It's right around the corner, literally. Uh, I want to start with the game in my old stomping uh, stomping grounds. Detroit hosts the Chicago Bears. Depending where you got the game, you might be laying three. You might be laying two and a half. Analyze that game for us. All right. Well, what's going on here? Because Detroit is laying two and a half without fans. So the marketplace is basically saying that Detroit is at least as good as Chicago is, laying two and a half to three. What's going on? Because Detroit's season win number is seven. Chicago's is eight. So Chicago's supposed to be the better team. Mitchell, Trubisky. The betters do not like Trubisky. They think Foles would be the better long-term choice. That's why there's been money on Detroit. But big question, Kenny Galladay, stud wide receiver for Detroit, game time decision. If he doesn't go, I think the spread's going to drop even more. My, my concern would be the, the Lions' defense more than anything else. Metrically, they were horrible last year, and I'm not so sure they did much to improve it, and they're bringing in six new starters. Are you involved in this game at all? I am not. I passed. Smart, smart move. All right, let's move on, Fez. Uh, what catches your eye tomorrow? You know, I think that you've got to go ahead and take a flyer with Washington. Philly, with all their injuries, um, Jeffrey being out of wide receiver, two linemen being out, and now their running back is out. So I think this is going to be a competitive game. These teams played week 15. Philly won by 10, but what we forgot, Philly trailed with 30 seconds to play in that game. So I think Washington gives them all they can handle. And it falls under the category of divisional dog week one, of which there are seven tomorrow. And we know how profitable divisional dogs have been in the last several years. 
Yeah, going back to 2014, I think it's 69%. Think about that, just blindly betting the dog in a divisional game. We've tried to figure this out, and we really haven't come up with a real good reason why it works, but it certainly has. Yeah, there's some theories. Uh, All right, let's uh, talk about the hometown team here. The Las Vegas Raiders making their debut as a road favorite at Carolina. That's another game I'm not involved in. What are your thoughts? I could only look at Carolina right now, and I get it. Carolina has had so many changes, and it's a team I want to fade early in the year. Brand-new coaching staff, brand-new quarterback, only three starters back on defense. But I don't trust the Raiders going on the road, going on the road without any proven wide receivers. Renfro is their number one um, wide receiver that isn't a rookie. So because right. of that, I've, I've gone back and forth in this game. But at three, if I got into the head, I'd take um, the Panthers. By the way, another home dog you just mentioned, the Washington football team. I think they're catching it's five and a half at home. Does that sound right? Yeah, and I did bet Washington against uh, what's left of the Philadelphia Eagles, absolutely. All right, we're talking with Steve Fezzik. You hear him weekdays here on Straight Out of Vegas, the only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton Westgate Super Contest. We've got to talk about Bill Belichick without Tom Brady laying a full touchdown against the Dolphins. That seems expensive to me. Yeah, you know, I think New England at less than seven made a lot of sense because what team is going to benefit the most with all these disruptions and COVID and funky practices? The best coaching staff, and that's certainly Belichick. And the problem I have with this is that you had all summer to lay six and a half, and now that it's up to seven, it's certainly expensive. But Miami Dolphins, completely new offensive line, and I think having O-line cohesion is very important. I'd lean, lean to the Patriots at the current seven number. All right, let's talk about Tom Brady's new team. They visit New Orleans, no fans. You've got 84 years combined in quarterback age. The Tampa Bay Bucks catching three and a half. I may be all wet. I don't think so. I think the Tampa Bay Bucks are a quality football team. I know you beg to differ. Who do you like tomorrow, though, week one, uh, with Tampa Bay catching three and a half at New Orleans? You know, I'm on the sidelines with this. We agree about Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a really good defense, especially the rush defense, all of those weapons. It's Tom Brady that I have the concerns about, and he was inaccurate last year. Having said that, New Orleans Saints have struggled so badly the first two games of the season to the yes. tune of being 1-11 and against the spread, 2-10 and straight up, despite laying points in most of those games. I'll pass. Fez, the Super Bowl loser has been notoriously bad against the spread since 2000, 5-16 by my numbers. Niners laying a full touchdown against what I think will be a very pesky Arizona Cardinal team tomorrow. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think at the current numbers, this would be my best bet, Bernie, where I would take Arizona plus the seven. The Arizona Cardinals moved the ball well with Kyler Murray last year in both their games against San Francisco. And San Francisco, down their number two wide receiver, Sanders, he's moved on to New Orleans, and Samuel's going to be out for three weeks. I don't see how they're going to score enough points to cover. All right, let's go to my best bet. Of course, I got it at eight and a half, and that that number's long gone. Cleveland visiting Baltimore, where they were a five and a half point dog week four last year. Went out right. Who you like in that game? Yeah, you know, I would look to Cleveland if you can get more than seven. And I think that divisional dog trend certainly is very powerful. And Cleveland played so well last year early in the year, beating them by 15. They should have the running game to exploit a Baltimore defense whose weakness is. Uh, defending the run, so I would look towards Cleveland. 
All right, the Indianapolis Colts, and again, a new quarterback there, Phillip Rivers making his debut, laying just north of a touchdown at Jacksonville. The Jags will have the only have the distinction of the only team with fans tomorrow. I, I think uh, Indy's going to uh, score early and often. I, what are your thoughts? You know, it's interesting because I believe that Jacksonville is allowed to have 15,000 fans. I don't know if they're going to be able to find 15,000 fans <laughs> with all that's going on. That's a great point, yeah. I mean, is that a maximum or a minimum? So the bottom line is I'm having a flashback to how bad the Miami Dolphins were last year with locker room problems, with rumors about them tanking. They turned it around. Similar situation with Jacksonville. Does Jacksonville start very, very slow? I want no part of the Jaguars till I see some effort. I think Indy blows him out. I think he just ignored the number. Anyway, conversation for a different day. Another road favorite, and this one frankly surprises me a bit. The Seahawks laying two on the road in Atlanta. Is the right team getting points? I'm not sure that they are, and it's all about which Atlanta team do we see, the one with the really bad defense the first half of the year that went 1-7, and seven, or the Atlanta with the good defense the second half of the year when Quinn, the head coach, stopped calling the plays and he ceded it to um, the rest of the team. And then, of course, Raheem Morris took over after his success last year, and he's the defensive coordinator. If that Atlanta defense can just be decent this year, we know their offense will be good. I'm on the sidelines. I pass. Joe Burrow makes his home debut tomorrow. He makes his NFL debut in Cincinnati. Another home dog as the Chargers go on the road, laying a field goal. Do you have a side in this game? I would only look to the Bengals. Who are the Chargers to being laying points on the road? The Chargers that always find ways to lose games that they should win. No Derwin James. I yes. would only look towards Burrow, and rookie quarterbacks have done pretty darn well their first few starts in the NFL. I'd look towards the Bengals. One game that I find very intriguing, I believe the Sharps are on the home team in this game, and that is the Dallas Cowboys tomorrow night laying two and a half as the Rams christen their new stadium. What are your thoughts on that game? This was my best bet with the Rams plus three all week long. Now that the lines come down to two to two and a half, I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, Bernie, but missing the hook you lose a lot. Having said that, there's a lot to like about the Rams, who got crushed by the Cowboys at the end of last year, so they remember that game well. And also, the fact that this game is at 5.20 Pacific time, so that's 7.20 Central time, that's when it starts for the Cowboys. I think the body clocks could well be an issue for the Cowboys, especially in the second half. All right, Fez, any closing thoughts on Week 1 before we let you go? I know we're all really excited to have NFL back and to be betting big time, Bernie, but for those who are betting, it's a long season. Don't go crazy with your bets. Be cautious a little bit because there's so much uncertainty this year. You don't want to be putting your whole bankroll into play. That is a great segue into my next segment. Fez, thanks for joining us. You'll be with us all year, periodically. Good luck tomorrow. Like we planned it. Love you, Bernie. Right back at you. That is Steve Fezzik, only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton Now Westgate Super Contest, and he'll be with us throughout the year. Coming up, I'm gonna go, we're going to go to football school. You know, if you go to medical school and finish last in your class, they call you a doctor. If you go to football school and finish last in your class, they might call you broke. Plus, Sleepy, he's back with the best bet on a Monday night NFL game. But first, hey, let's go to the man who's got great intellectual curiosity, Always knows the smart, tough questions to ask. And, Matt, you know, the other day he asked me, Bernie, 
Why do hot dogs come in packages of 10, but buns come in packages of 8? It's Brian Finley with the latest. Bernie, I did ask you about your short-lived minor league baseball career, by the way, on that podcast. Don't overlook the Sunbelt Conference in college football. They intimidate and humiliate the Big 12, going 3-0 against them on Saturday. Coastal Carolina making a mess of Kansas 38-23. Jayhawks head coach Les Miles said after the game he had his guys adequately prepared for that one. Arkansas State spooking Kansas State 35-31. Louisiana emasculates 23rd Iowa State 31-14. Number one Clemson closed lines Wake Forest 37-13. Tigers quarterback Trevor Lawrence passing for 22 of 28 with a total of three touchdowns. Quarterback Spencer Rattler debuts with four touchdown passes as number five Oklahoma pile drives Missouri State 48 to nothing. 14th Texas running up the score on UTEP 59 to three. UTEP did get $1.4 million for making that trip to Austin. The Lakers methodic, methodic, methodically cracked down on the Rockets 119.97. To bounce Houston in five games for a ticket to the Western Conference Finals, Russell Westbrook, who struggled mightily in this series, took his temper out on Rajon Rondo's brother during Game 5. Officials then proceeded to escort Rondo's sibling out of the game. Jamie Benn scores the go-ahead goal on a power play as the Stars overcome the Golden Knights 2-1 to seize a three-game to one lead in the Western Conference Finals. And finally, Dodgers closer Kenley Jansen pukes away a three-run lead in the ninth. The Astros score five runs in that inning to get the win in Los Angeles 7-5. Now back to our vanguard of Vegas. It's our guy, Bernie Fratto. Thanks again to that silver-tongued devil that we call Brian Finley. Because that's his name. Thanks again, Brian. All right, coming up in a minute, we'll talk Sleepy's best bet involving a game Monday night. But as I mentioned, and as Fez mentioned at the end of his segment, as you head into the NFL, we want you to have fun and we want it to be profitable. And I believe if you follow these three things, these three guidelines, no, let, let me try that again. You avoid these three mistakes, then you can, I believe, enjoy the NFL season without tearing your hair out. The first one is, Changing unit size. Don't do that. Money management is the most important discipline needed to be a successful better. One of the worst things a better can do, and I'm not talking about professionals. I'm talking about regular Joes. You're smart. You work hard for your money. You know, protect it. One of the worst things a better can do is change their unit size based on how well or how poorly they're doing. See, when you're hot, people have a tendency to want to double down and risk more because you're overconfident. And you think you're playing with house's money. No, that's your money. And when you're cold, never chase and try to win it all back in one fell swoop. I encourage bettors to embrace a flat betting approach. And this means betting the same amount on every game and only risk, let's say, 3% of your bankroll per play. That's a good medium range, 3%. So if you've set aside $1,000 to bet on the NFL this year, that's about 50 60 70 bucks a week then your average play should never be more than $30. If you do that and use a flat betting approach, it's going to save you from burning out your bankroll and going to the ATM to get more money when you hit that in, that inevitable tough stretch, which you will. We all do. All right. The second thing is don't overreact to recent trends. If a team looked great in the previous game or it's riding a winning streak, novice bettors automatically want to bet on it because, well, they're just playing well. And it's recency bias. But if a team just got blown out by 20 points and they're on a five-game losing streak, 
Those same betters automatically want to fade them, but that's a mistake. See, historically, teams coming off a big win, they're going to be overvalued the next week. The odds makers know that the public is going to be inclined to bet on them, so they shade the lines accordingly. For example, let's say the Patriots just come off a 21-point blowout win. The next game, the odds makers, well, they might. The true opener might be Pats minus 7, but since they know the public will take the Pats no matter what, they're going to make them 7.5 or 8, and they're going to cross over a key number. As a result, you're getting an overpriced line, and you're getting a bad number. On the flip side, teams coming off a loss or a bad loss, they're historically undervalued. This is why we encourage bettors to buy on bad news and sell on good news. Try it. It works. The third thing is too many plays, and this is an important one. Don't spray the board. Look, bettors love to bet. I get it. But betting just for the sake of having action on a game is not a good thing. Trying to bet 15 games a night, very dangerous. You're taking massive risk, and one bad night can completely decimate your bankroll. Instead, bettors should stay disciplined, and don't bet the game just because it's on TV. Think about making money, and we talked about a trend uh, I talked about it on Arnie's show and talked about it last week. Week one divisional dogs, 21-5 and five against the numbers since 2014. There are seven of them tomorrow. Miami, New England, Philly, Wash, Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota, Cleveland, Baltimore, Arizona, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. All right, I'm not telling you to bet on all seven of them, but watch that trend tomorrow and take notes and make observations because the more information you can gather – then you will have an opportunity to have a, a, a bit of an edge week to week over the sports book and over the long haul, which is a long haul. We've got September, October, November, December, January, and there's other sports besides the NFL as well that will all be tempting. You'll have an opportunity. You'll put yourself in the best position to make money. All right, speaking of making money, Sleepy was rock solid last year with his best bets. If we go to Monday night in Pittsburgh, scratch, check that. It's Pittsburgh in New York, the New York Giants where the Pittsburgh Steelers are a favorite, but Sleepy's got a best bet on this game involving the return of one Ben Roethlisberger. Let's give it a listen. Bernie, my man, the NFL is back. And all I have to say is, hallelujah. I got a Monday night football proposition play for our listeners, and I'm recommending a play on Big Ben Roethlisberger under 291 passing yards. You might say, Sleepy, this Giants defense is horrid. How can you do this? Well, everything isn't predicated on this Giants defense, but the Giants were a very young defensive unit last year. I think improvement is on the horizon for this maturing Giants defense, but the basis of my handicap is centralized around Big Ben. The question we have to answer here is, will the Steelers have Big Ben on some type of a pitch count? I believe that they will. You certainly don't want Big Ben coming off of a major surgery, testing the limits, of that newly repaired elbow. So I think a limited amount of passing attempts here for Big Ben to go ahead and start the season. Now the next element, how many career catches do his number one tight end and his number two and number three wide receiver have in their career with Big Ben? Well, that's easy. It's a total of 23 catches for Washington, Johnson, and Ebron. That's a little bit worrisome. Let's not forget, this is the Giants home opener, not the Steelers home opener. But I'm gonna go ahead, Bernie, and I'm gonna pull my trump card on this one. I know when a quarterback loses the number one wide receiver in the league, the quarterback tends to struggle. Look no further than these same Giants 
when Odell left Eli. Eli fell off of a cliff. When Jordy Nelson left Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers simply hasn't been an elite quarterback since Nelson's departure. What I'm getting at here, Bernie, and I think Mackenzie Rivers will actually like this one, Big Ben Roethlisberger is just six quarters separated away from throwing a pass to Antonio Brown, who was the number one wide receiver in the league when Big Ben and Antonio Brown were throwing and catching passes from one another. Now, our listeners might not remember how Big Ben looked last year without Antonio Brown, but let me refresh their memory. Week one last year against the Patriots, Big Ben Roethlisberger threw for 57 yards in the first half, and he looked absolutely horrible. In the second game, Big Ben 75 passing yards against the Seattle Seahawks in the first half before he blew his elbow out going into halftime. Big Ben did not look good last year at all without Antonio Brown. Now you bring in receivers that he hasn't thrown the ball to a whole lot. I'll tell you what, Big Ben's going to struggle to find his game. He's going to struggle in this game. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Big Ben under 291 passing yards on Monday night. There you have it. Monday night, under passing yards for Big Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of very good research and information Going into just that one play, trust me, your homework will pay off. Speaking of homework, coming up, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. He might have outdone himself this week. We've got one game in the books. Kansas City beat Houston, covered and went over. What did we learn from game one of the NFL season that we can apply going forward? Coming up, Mackinac Sports. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com. 15 minutes ago. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. And before we go any further, let me thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. That would be Chris Perfett, Eric Roberts, and, of course, Brian, the silver-tongued devil, Finley. All right. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. It's that time of week. Mackinac Sports from the McKenzie Rivers. Um, McKenzie, we've got one game in the books, Kansas City 34, Houston 20. What have we learned? Well, we learned the Chiefs are pretty good. They covered for the 10th straight time. Not too bad when you already have the most – Uh, exciting quarterback in the league and everyone wants to bet on you, but they just keep covering. But if you looked at what that quarterback did, it was a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo type performances. I mean, a lot of short passes, a lot of handoffs. He had the lowest amount of air yards in his career. Patrick Mahomes did 44 yards. So taking a bird's eye view of that whole game, what did we expect and what happened and what, what does that mean moving forward? Well, running was better than expected. Both running backs way over their prop total. Passing, efficient, both good performances from Watson and Mahomes, but much less volume than we're used to seeing. Both QB props go way under their total. I think that's something that we can see going forward. Why? Because this season is the most, or I should say least, prep NFL teams have had ever. First of all, in 2011, they started reducing practices. That has gone forward to this new CBA. Now, with COVID, those practices involved a lot less hitting, a lot less 11-on-11, it's a different league, Bernie, and I think until they can ease themselves way the way back into midseason form, we're going to see all these rushing props go over for the most part, all these passing props go under. 
You know, I, I told my son to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and it turned out fine. Because, <laughs> it, it's very simple. When Patrick Mahomes can wreak havoc on linebackers, and they have, you know, they've got to read their keys, and they don't know whether to drop back in coverage or what to do, that opens up running lanes. All right, absolutely. But let's take your premise because it's an interesting and creative one. There were no preseason games. There were very few scrimmages. The prep time was far less. OTAs right on down the line. So let's extrapolate that tomorrow. And what can you use that data for in terms of? Uh, how you might analyze tomorrow's games. I think there's three particular ways that this trend can take advantage. The fact that these teams don't have the passing precision right now. One, QB props under. My favorite, Baker Mayfield under 246. The Ravens actually, for a team that led almost every game by 20, 30 points, they were great against the pass. Fifth best in the league, only allowed 200 yards during their 12-game win streak to end. So the Ravens, once they got all their pieces together, only 170 yards per game against opposing quarterbacks. I think Baker Mayfield's going under, even though I do like the Browns to cover. By the way, Sleepy, he likes the under 291 yards passing can, Monday night. <laughs> I was going to say, can I get AFC North quarterbacks under for $600, please? Sure. This isn't Jeopardy, <laughs> so you don't have to phrase it in a question. <laughs> All right. This doesn't just affect quarterbacks. This affects the whole – I mean, think about it. It's not just quarterbacks. I'm sure right. it affects other positions as well. You said Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He more than doubled his rushing prop. I like, I'm like. i looking at Austin Eckler over 55 rushing yards. And he's over, the running back for the Chargers. Running back okay, for the Chargers. People know. Against right? the Bengals teams. Thank you, Bernie. By the way, and since – Melvin Gordon's gone. Go right. ahead. In the starts that Melvin Gordon left and they won, he had way over 60 rushing yards per game. And I think this Bengals team last year was 31st against the run. I think they improved on offense, not so much on defense. I like the Chargers, and I like Austin Eckler to get over that prop. Another game that falls into your theory here is I think might – well, it was at least you were considering it as yes. your best bet. Okay. Yes, thank you very much. Well, for you want to jump to best bet? No, no, no. Yeah, because let's let's bring back the curtain a little bit. I was all prepared to say Bills minus six and a half. I love their rushing st- attack. I love the fact that Sam Darnold is the featured guy for the Jets, and it's going to be hard for them to get precision passing in. But then I looked at DVOA, and it, it, it got me off it. One quick stat. The Jets' second best against the run last year. I think week one's going to be all about rushing. Can't bet against the Jets for me. All right, may I throw a monkey wrench into that? No Jamal Adams, no C.J. Mosley. They're two best defensive players. Oh, I still lean Bills. I still lean Bills heavily. No, 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 no. no, But I just can't bet it knowing that they're they're pretty good against the run. Should be interesting to watch tomorrow. All right, so that's not your best bet. We'll get to your best bet in a minute. One that I've been over-talking about, and I'm not a fan of this team. I didn't didn't drink the Kool-Aid last year, not by a million miles, not with Freddie Kitchens and that, Mm -hmm. all all that Michigas. But tomorrow, week one, and be advised, we always want to get the best number. Fez always talks about that. Get the best number. I did. I got Cleveland plus eight and a half earlier in the week. Well, there's been a lot of money come in on the Browns, and it's gone down to eight and seven and a half. There are some sevens. As long as it stays north of a touchdown, and preferably seven and a half, that matters. I still think Cleveland's a good play. Eight's a dead number. Jim John Harbaugh only four ten and one in his last fifteen home games. It's a favorite in Baltimore. There are no fans there tomorrow. That matters to me. You've also got a situation that I've been talking about for a couple weeks. One of the strongest trends. Angles. Did you know that since two thousand fourteen, Week One divisional dogs are twenty one and five against the number fourteen and twelve straight up on the money line. And Cleveland already won there last year, Week Four, as a five and a half point dog. I like Cleveland. And the points tomorrow. And there's one other trend. Teams getting north of eight or more points week one as an underdog cover 63% of the time. Now, that got blown up 
Thursday night. But forget it. Don't go. If you step in front of Patrick Mahomes, you're in, take. You know, you're taking your life in your hands. Right. Ten straight covers for Mahomes. He he is the real deal. I like your play, Bernie, and I like it because the Ravens. 21st in rush defense, that was their one weakness, as Fezzik said. And like we saw with the Browns and last year. look at this one-two punch of uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And you know Kevin Stefanski you saw what he did in Minnesota last yes. year. He likes to run the ball. He's an old-school guy. He's not only going to have a fullback, he's going to have two tight ends. They're not going to mess around. They're not going to try to get into a shooting match with uh, Lamar Jackson. You got the last word. On that point, and Chargers is my best bet. You all know why. Don't worry about it. On that point, you say Kevin Stefanski's old school. I'm going to come over the top, Bernie. He's new school. Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFour, Sean McVay. Running is the revolution in the NFL right now. Well, you have to be able to run the ball for various reasons. You never want to make a smart NFL defensive coordinator only have to defend against one type of offensive skill set. If you're going to be one-dimensional, you're not going to last long in this league. And what are football coaches but control freaks? Controlling the ball, controlling possession, limiting turnovers, it's the way I think NFL, again, back to the future, is trying to win right now. Right. No successful team did not have a running game, let's face it. It allows you to chew clop, move the chains, get the hard yard inside the five. It works. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. Thanks so much for Steve Fezzik joining us tonight. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville. He brings it strong. It's the Jason Martin Show. Keep it locked. Straight out of Vegas!